Hello there, performing artists, conscious creatives. This is Marissa Moses, and you are listening to the Self-Care for Performers podcast. Welcome back to episode three. My guest today, Michelle Manu, is a kumu, meaning teacher, of the Lua warrior tradition. Our conversation is steeped in ancient knowledge, honor of Hawaiian culture, and integration of the divine masculine and feminine principles of creation in us all. As the first female kumu of the male-dominated lua form in over 203 years, Michelle embodies the essence of warrior goddess energy as she walks her path of love and protection through adversity. Good morning. Oh, good morning, aren't you radiant? Oh, I don't know, but thank you. I did manage to get some coffee, which is really nice. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm just so excited. I'm already recording. Great, okay. I'm trying to find the best view. There's That's this gorgeous banyan tree behind me. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh my goodness. So yeah, lots of people out already. Some elderly doing some yoga behind me. Amazing. How gorgeous. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Where are you at right now? I'm actually near the Honolulu Zoo. So I'm at uh, Kapiolani Park at the tip, right where it starts on the way towards Diamond Head, Leahi. Maybe I can flip this and give you a view. So we've got town there. The hotels uh, are starting to end and it goes into a strand. All of the water sport. They had a concert the other night and a parade for King Kamehameha Day. Looking out into Waikiki now, the smaller waves. Perfect for surfing. And there's the park. How beautiful. That's pretty much where we're at right now. On the sand, earthing. (laughs) Were you born in Honolulu? No, I wasn't born here. I was actually born on the mainland. My father was born here, but on a different island. And then he met my Scandinavian mother in Chicago. So that's actually where I was born. Then we moved back to Hawaii Island, Big Island, until I was about one. I think it was the interracial marriages that kept them in Southern California. There was still prejudice, but not as much as other parts of the country. Yeah, we stayed there mostly during my youth. (laughs) I feel that. And I recognize that for myself, having moved around a bit and been in connection with people who are from different areas of the States. And there is a bit of a bubble. I think that we're able to find some sort of safety. It's not that it's prejudice isn't existing, like you said, but it's not as severe, I think, as in other areas for sure. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so excited about our conversation. And I love that we got to touch base yesterday a little bit to kind of jam out on intentionality, the heart experience. I'd love to hear from you just kind of invite you into the space from your heart. Where is this conversation vibing for you in your body and your spirit and your work and your soul? Wonderful to be here with you and talk about these eternal principles and, and ways of being. Yeah, authenticity. I think that's really where it's at with ourselves and others. With that comes self-care, self-love, self-evolution, that needed transparency of, you know, in the letting go of what we think we need to be, what we've been told we should be and need to be, whether it's parental, familial, or societal. Mm-hmm. That voice within us, that's not really us. That's not our inner woman. That's not the divine feminine or divine masculine working for our benefit. So a lot of letting go, a lot of reprogramming. And that comes from the honesty that comes from being transparent 
mm-hmm. and be authentic. Mm-hmm. And what I love about what you just spoke was our authentic voice that's coming from us is actually the divine feminine or the divine masculine or the union. Yes, yes correct. The balance, the intellect and the intuition are very tried and tested, battle tested alarm security systems. <laughs> the alarms that go off, some are they still useful? Have we shifted our property where our fences and lines? And then you have those externally that try to test the raptor fences, right? (laughs) Trying to see where there's systematic weaknesses. (laughs) And I think that's something that I'm wanting to bridge more into in direct conversation. I'm realizing how important that conversation is with my students, with my clients, with the community I want to serve of performing artists. Because while the place that I wish and long to lead from is a place of divine masculine and feminine union and having safety and safe passage for ourselves and our hearts with one another and the deepest rooted most unhurt, but also hurt parts of ourselves that come together for healing. I do find that when we, when we are engaging as an artist, whatever our craft might be, that if we have an integrated component of making money while doing it, that a whole lot of other layers come into the fold. And there is a lot of self-protection that is needed. And you as a biracial Hawaiian lineage woman who is steeped in self-protection and in the martial lineage of your ancestral roots. I'd love to hear from you some some language that's maybe native to Hawaiian understanding of these principles, as well as just what you sort of face and bring into the industry component of your life. Well, I think it, it, you're right. And it, it is just so steeped. We're going back to the societal and familial programming it's still here very much. I'm being the only female representative of a woman warrior in over 203 years uh, brings adversity, but it also brings like those moments where you, you have to check yourself that, you know, the run DMC, check yourself before you wreck yourself, because if we respond (laughs) in emotional emotionality and not understand it, and we don't always fully understand it, but if we just are that typical masculine example of uh, emotional eruptions constantly, yeah, that doesn't get us very far. I think it's that honoring the pause. I did an article earlier this year and when the whole Will Smith, uh, Chris Rock situation happened, it's, um, I think we we have a duty to allow the stimulus to occur Mm -hmm. and not immediately jump straight into response. There's the stimulus, this hot, this beautiful space, Mm -hmm. and then the response, if we respond, how we respond. And so honoring that moment, uh, taking that hot, the breath, life and making sure that this is really for our best benefit so that happens here (laughs) at home back on the mainland it doesn't matter where we are i think it's (laughs) like many things as part of the human condition and like many things we wouldn't want to remove it there's so many lessons in this specific layer of energy i would say you know different levels that without it we would not reach our full potential so instead of fighting it to work with it. And that is basically the culture here. Everything, there was nothing sacred in ancient times here. Nothing. It was the process that made it sacred. Mm-hmm. It's our journey that makes mm-hmm. this amazing lifetime that we're here. We've chosen to come here. Mm-hmm. It's the journey that is the blessing and the growth. And so when one decides to braid or fish or make weaponry or to prepare to hula, uh, to hula, all of these things, you know, even lua, even the dislocation art of the warriors on the battlefield with the, the motto of maximum kills, you know, standing up for their integrity, honor, and the land and the, the, their loved ones, it hasn't changed much uh, to today. 
Mm. So that sacredness, honoring the, that journey, that pause, and it shifts like this wins. Yeah. We are so, we are so, we're not supposed to be black and white. We're not supposed to be. Oh, you're cutting out right now with the wind, but I can feel what you're saying as so potent. And I almost am feeling the possibility that the listeners might not be in a space right now to receive. So if you're listening, I invite you to place one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly, and just take a deep breath in, drop back and down into your body and settle into your bone for this beautiful wisdom that Michelle is transmitting to us. Mm. Okay, love. <laughs> we have a gentleman walking by with me. <laughs> Shift the a little bit. Oh, man, I'm finding this a dance for me with self-care for performers because what I'm doing is trying to talk to a group of very traumatized and traumatizing yeah. uh, group dynamics, right? And so I, I feel the need to be very mindful of the way in which I am continually coming back to center, continually coming back to a pause, even as I feel like sometimes depending on the conversation I'm in or the way in which I'm communicating, there is that sort of Lua dislocation of that warrior spirit that comes forward and through that there is also that sort of hula elegance that can kind of come back and unify. Would you tell us a little bit about the difference between those practices as you understand them in your body? Physics, right? So if you think of the Hina, the feminine, uh, that is just having this conversation yesterday and it really, I have to watch my emotions, right? We just talked about the pause. <laughs> I don't want to be uh, an eruptive volcano over here, but I can't help it. The well, Hina I love it. Kayla, mm-hmm. with you. <laughs> Bring it. Volcano got it. Yeah, it's, it's disturbing still, the powerhouses, and I won't name them. There are some very big, powerful entities here, and I'm talking physical entities, groups that have always, um, not, I, you hear the term whitewash, but it is, it's a, it's a version of a lesser truth of the history here. They give them just enough, but not too much. Let them stand and be proud, but don't empower them. And I think we see that with the Hina being hidden, burned, buried, just completely removed from history. I mean, not just in the Hawaiian culture, but oh, in all cultures. I mean, it's the goddess and she may have a different name, but you can see her migration through the people powerfully, even up against tremendous diversity over our entire knowledge of the world history. So with that, Hina, the feminine, if you think of it from purely a performing artist and the movement in which we work, and it could be even music, it's a potential wound up, coiled energy. That is the feminine. She is wound up, ready to be used when needed. The coup now, well, okay, the kapuna just took my flower. <laughs> okay, you can have it. <laughs> you can have my pula. <laughs> anyway. Life is speaking to you and relating. Yes, exactly. Hina just said, okay, but I want my flower back. Um, <laughs> and then the coup is the masculine, right? And this is what we're engulfed in and encased in and enveloped in in the Western world where it's all about action. Nothing matters in between except for that checklist. And you got to get through that checklist all today and not enjoy any of it. That will make you successful. That means you're being productive and you're being, you're contributing to the world in which you live and you're moving forward towards your goal. So no regard for the sacredness of the process and the path, no regard for the Hina, right? You cannot have coup without the Hina. 
She is the walk to where you're going. She is the windup of the pitch. She is the knee lift for the ballerina's leg lift. She is my punch. She is the windup. This is all Hina, Hina, Hina. Cool. It's all of that. We cannot have one without the other. And I think when we think of our lives, we have to honor that pause. That is the Hina. Yeah. And so in this, there's a lot of healing. Oh, hola. Heal. Beautiful. What, what do you, you know, instead of the difficult aloha, right? Which is that word with the wind. Oh, hola. Mm-hmm. To heal. To heal. Now, instead of using aloha, the typical 50s where it became the aloha state and, you know, attract different people, it was anoa'i, you know, huku, reflection. It wasn't turn the other cheek. It was, you come to me with kindness, I return it, I reflect it with kindness and then some. You come to me with poor energy, then I will reflect that back and then some. It was very much about honoring one another and keeping it fair. Like, you know, while we're in, um, for introspection, quiet time, you know, to do these. When we're in, you know, the wind is so, so intense right now. I think, is the microphone on the side that the wind is hitting? I believe so. I can go ahead and move though. Let me go ahead and relocate. Um, but I, what I was saying is that when you do hula, you can actually turn it into a moving meditation. If you think of hula, it's more like signing, you know, in ancient times where there was no language, mm-hmm. everything was passed through movement. Mm-hmm. You've got a, blo- a blower going too, so that's not optimal. <laughs> <It's> the, <laughs> it is what it is. We'll go with the flow of the thing. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Just gorgeous. I'm giving you a tour. <laughs> oh, under the tree. Okay, this seems like it will be perfect here. Hopefully it'll be less wind. The wind was very strong in here. I'm sure they'll be taken off in a minute. That I'd be stuck in a hotel room. It's really ugly. <laughs> I'd rather be out here with all of you. <laughs> I'm glad even with the magic of the element speaking to us and through the microphone, it's still wonderful. I know. Land right now. Okay, so heal, we could do a form of love. So I would like to show you a move if that would be okay. Yes, our listeners won't be able to see. So if you could talk us through the embodiment, that would be great i'll, I'll have sure and potential access to like video clips at some point offered somewhere but uh for the for the the way in which i'm sharing right now um sure majority is audio so okay so yay these gentlemen did move on let me put you this way all right so the basic step is a koholo so we step together and step and tap and we want to make sure that the man the lower body is carrying the woman the upper body from the waist up and the kids the arms and the mo'opuna grandkids the hands and the fingers in perfect balance this is what lokahi balance we want to make sure that we're moving through life in balance so it's not just physical it's in every way. So when we do this, yeah. those micro movements within our movement show our level of expertise. And this is, of course, a parable for life too. So for just doing love, I'm not going to bounce. The man's going to carry the woman and the children very gracefully and elegantly. And with that, then we're going to do love. So heal. What you can say is ko'ola and just keep saying it. When I move one way, I'm going to inhale, hina. And when I move the other way, I'm going to exhale, ku. So it's very balanced in our ha, mm. um, just like the punch, right? We want to exhale as we hit or take down. We want to exhale. So the hina has to be prepared, stored up, and released. So love, hands down. We're going to bring it in, almost like touch our shoulders. That's, that's where we're going here. Mm-hmm. And then out. And you can make this as big, as small as you want. So inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. So Jamaica is 
big or small, however you feel, match where you are. Allow the Hina to come through. Allow the Ku to come through. If you're angry, it's angry hula. <laughs> it's full body, like weight exercises. It's punching the crap out of something. It's sprinting till you have no breath left in you. When you deal with those emotions, because it's just energy, and it's, of course, it's guiding us, then you're able to have clarity. Then it's out of the body. You're not storing it in the black box. And likewise, what if, you know, if you're more introspective, then it's a light hula. It's a nice goddess walk. It's, and you know, if you're in the middle, then it's, you know, a little more fun, peppy, turn on dino, whip it, start whipping around, have a good time with it, you know? So meeting us where we are and healing, that is healing. That's giving consideration, not just to our emotional state, our physical state, but specifically the body. That is our vessel here in which our ancestors and the allness divinity works through us that without our body, without this self-care, it's not mind. You know, I guess the mind is very important. What we think is a thing. It creates things, but also the body is the only vessel on which we can manifest and bring forth what we're being asked, what we've come here to do. If you look at it that way and the body being and healing in the sense of caring for the physical body as an elderly loved one or an infant that is unable to care for itself, would you allow to rest or would you keep it up? Would you feed it junk food or will you give it something nutritious, him or her? Um, All of these things, does it need supplements? Mm -hmm. Have you checked in and asked yourself, how do you feel? Why doesn't this sit well with my nervous system? What are you trying to to warn me about here? It's that check-in that you just did and it's helpful. And Hula helps with that. Obviously, there's many modalities to where we can check in with ourselves. Movement helps me. I think without movement, it's my choice of drug, if you will. <laughs> like we talked yesterday, you know, it's not shoplifting, sex, alcohol, all of the drugs. It, it's movement. It's massive movement. And when I was raising my daughter, I always said that extreme physical activity will cure an attitude and give one clarity. And it worked. <laughs> so sometimes we need to employ, deploy that same mentality on ourselves, you know? Yeah, well, and I think that's a really interesting conversation too that I like to have sometimes with my performing artists. Like at what point is your performance practice a form of addiction versus medicine? And sometimes exactly. it's just depending on how you're using the drug, you know? Yes, correct. Intention. Intention is so yes. and so big. And there's intention, but I'm also finding as I'm opening up more and more conversations that are specifically around integrating the hidden or repressed parts of ourselves is so important that that I've said over and over again, like, I don't give a shit about your intention. If the impact is something very different, like <laughs> we need to work on conscious living. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we need to work on the yeah. transition between. And that's one thing I'm working on myself with self-care for performers. I have an intention and I also have some very, a lot of coup that wants to come through. And I'm realizing well, that's good. my life, there's been... I would love for you to speak a little bit about the healing power that you found as a woman choosing to really step into her ku energy. And when you bring that possibility and potential into the women that you teach, what is the alchemy that happens that you experience and see? embody. No, it's truly, it's truly amazing. I'm sorry. We're having some sun showers too. I I think it's just a blessing. It's definitely abundance. (laughs) Um, I wish I could say that I voluntarily stepped into it. I think, you know, like most of us women that have encountered the really toxic part of coup, where it's all about take and consume, and um, we are just used that 
I think most of us can speak to. That was pretty much the environment that I was raised in as far as martial arts and the warrior lifestyle. Yeah. It's much different than being a, you know, like soldier versus warrior. We were soldiers. We were raised that way as only woman. So I had to hold my own. I was forced to either that or I wouldn't make it. So now that I'm here, now that my teacher taught me and he really didn't teach women and they don't really teach women, Lua, even though there's accounts of women warriors and warrior rulers that were trained up in war and politics and architecture and agriculture and you name it from the age of three and were even whisked away to other islands hidden to learn these things and return to rule. Wow. And so we have about five of those names. There was one, her name is Kea Kealani. She was taken away, trained and brought back at a young age to rule a specific part of the island. Eventually, I think the whole island, but there was a gender kapu and that's the forbiddenness of women training with men. One elder would say that women's version of the Wahine version of Lua is far deadlier because women did not have time to go to school every day, wake up and work techniques and <laughs> train all these things. They had a lot of responsibility. Women were, one other elder said that the responsibilities of the Wahine were to birth everything from the spiritual into the physical form and return it from the physical form back to the spiritual. So very powerful, inherent value for the women in this culture. We see how that has gone to this point, mm -hmm. but working in coup Watching women today, regardless of what ethnicity, working through letting go of this pain that is stored, this desire to wish that events have not happened, yet they have. The lack of understanding that they are even upset with themselves about it. They feel they could have done something about it, that if they'd only do this, they'd have done this, it wouldn't have happened. If they would have done this at this moment, they could have stopped that. And I think letting that go, watching them painfully and reluctantly, letting go of this improper accountability, responsibility for what occurred, this lesson. I've watched them grow then into their physical power. I think there's a difference between men and women as far as even shadowing, healing, moving through the world, right? And privilege is not just what they're given, but it's also a privilege of not being exposed to and having to endure certain things. So in this shaking, crying, profound acknowledgement and recognition of what happened and that it happened mm -hmm. and to accept it and to then feel that energy of pain and trauma and feeling like a victim, like we didn't helpless, didn't have a choice to step in that now and to work these techniques, these breathing techniques, these striking and blocking techniques and tripping and trapping and they're different. It's like their spirit pulls the spine up. It's not this false wahine trying to be coup. It's this beautiful alignment of the feminine and masculine, like wind, right? And moving together within the body and creating this mana, this energy, this power, and being able to use it with great focus and precision. And so when the women walk out of the class, however long or short, whether it's private or group, they're changed. Mm. And it's extremely powerful to watch and to watch the progression over the years and to come back and learn these perishable skills because we can get so caught up in our everyday life and these habits we never intended to have and find ourselves making decisions about being in relationships similar to the ones that we had in the past, even though we feel it's not a one and done thing, mm -hmm. you know, we must continue to be conscious yes. and, and not let what we know and have become be perish in any way. I think that's really the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I just have chills through my whole body listening to that. It's so 
nourishing for me to hear to hear you speak about the power of this kind of work from a place of full body radiance and just like life force mana energy that's just yes. I can see it I can feel it I can the experience of it is so clear like it's undeniable in the way you're communicating and how it lights you up I have had experiences of feeling that myself in the work that I do. And I found that for me, because of the societal patterns, oftentimes a big, if, if I'm not aware that that embodiment as a woman is targeted, then I will be putting myself in a very dangerous position. And I think it's really important that we know and identify as we step further into this kind of sacred embodiment of masculine feminine union through our bodies, integration of this sort of transliminal space of everything, nothing, all of the things, this portal to healing, that that very specific space is what has been targeted and persecuted as evil, the devil, witchcraft, savage, all of those verbiages that have been weaponized against cultural knowledge and understanding that, you know, sure, each culture has its its own stuff. And also very specifically, there is a cultural narrative in this sort of Western white paradigm that we are entrenched in, that I think it's really important, regardless of our background, our ethnicity, our race, whatever degree of angle we're coming at things from, I think it's really important that we are aware of it so we can both look out for ourselves, but also look out for each other and just check in. And that body-based listening and that body-based alchemy, I feel like our bodies are so, when we really start to listen to them, tune into them, let them let them give us lessons that and, and let it be part of um, my experience I'm finding right now. It's like, if I become not an oppressor over my body, but if I'm in direct lovership with my body, what's the difference? There's a big difference, huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And that masculine protector, I realized how much I never gave that to myself growing up. I was patterned into a very um, acceptable version of femininity. And I also had access to a lot of other experiences that I think were celebrated in certain circles in my life, having the the parents and the artist friends that I've had, which has been great in many different ways. But there's also a lot of awareness I've also had of how challenging it can be to speak about certain things. And also how, depending on how grounded or ungrounded you are, when we go off into really experiencing that space, if we're not deeply rooted in something, then we can. It, we, we can have a pretty severe break with reality and that can be its own kind of damaging experience. And we talked about the whole light and love and spiritual bypassing thing a little bit yesterday and how that really does perpetuate gaslighting, which is a form of abuse. And, you know, that is a large portion of a lot of the spiritual relationships that I think um, we are um, invited into and that is celebrated in when we step into that framing, when we at least make our experience digestible to that lens, just like the male gaze, but there is like a whitewash love and light spiritual lens. I think that also I'm very attuned to it. And I'm aware that part of my process in bringing self-care for performers into conversation piece with my community is finding ways to have that conversation in ways that are also healing, deconstructive, potentially more coup, and also has that integration of both sacred 
uh, masculine and feminine so that there is the option for almost people to, it's almost like creating, at least in moments, an opportunity for people to take what they need, like a willingness for me to be the blank canvas and provide people with color reflections back to themselves, allowing it to be like, what do you see in you as we're having this conversation? What does this bring up in you as we're having this conversation? What have you seen in your life, in your family patterns, in your creative community? What have you noticed that is perpetuating these same dynamics? And do you choose to continue to live them or do you choose another way? You know, all of it comes to value for ourselves. Everything comes out of that, I believe. If we see ourselves erroneously or not at all or partially and our role here, how important we are, then everything, the intention is, is there, but you don't know your inherent value, right? And so you always feel like it's, it's the religious sense of salvation, right? Performance-based, do I have to be pretty today to earn my space to speak? I have to be perfect on stage today because I was given this role. I don't even deserve it. This false humility, this lack of understanding of how important and valuable we really are to the big picture because it is intent and intent is birthed out of that. So, but you know, also you're talking now that very wisely, we have to know too who's worthy of our transparency because not everyone is. So unfortunately we do have to be protective and we do have to be on guard, but we can really move within those parameters. It's a really hard way. It's hard to explain. There's such a freedom within those parameters because we know that no one is gonna breach the Raptor fence. We're okay there and we're doing our work. And this is where we find fulfillment. Uh, and it's really when you know that there isn't much that anyone, including yourself, can tell yourself as it's all BS. You know, there's nothing that you can say or anyone else can say to pull you off your path then. As my former manager would say, you know, not everything that's shiny is gold. And that's true. But there's our desires too, and to examine those also, because those can take us down a path of wanting to experience, experience, <laughs> you know. Dr. David Hawkins says, you know, our only job here is to experience experience, but what type of quality experience do you want to have? We have to be conscious with that for that. I don't want anymore to, to regret, or I don't want to ask the what ifs anymore, or should I have? I want to accept. And with that, I need to know I can trust my decision. I can trust in and rely on who I am right now, who she is, because I'll never be her again. Mm-hmm. that I'm in transition. So beautifully said. Yeah. I am enough, right? <laughs> I am enough. Beautiful. Would you share the word, the Hawaiian word for basically was reading signs from the universe and having a relationship with the way it speaks to you? Yes. And I actually wrote a piece uh, so I could pull that up here. So it was interesting because I was at a family gathering last night and the four-year-old, oh gosh, this, this young, this little Connie, this little cute kid, man, he's got a mouth on him already. <laughs> but it was interesting. The lights started flickering. We were halfway through the meal. The lights started flickering. I asked one of the sisters, I said, does this happen much? And she said, yeah. And one of the brothers got up to turn the light off. And the four-year-old says, it's just Tutu. So Tutu Wahine, grandmother, he's aware of this already. And he is four, where most of us are like, what's wrong with the lights? Oh my God, turn them off. I got to call the electrician. Like this was a sign for this four-year-old. And I 
I knew that we would be on today and I wrote it down so that I can remember to tell you that story. Okay, well, I can't find it. <laughs> um, it's pretty much signs and symbols, messages, right? When we are so conscious, we're living consciously, we're awake to everything. We notice the smallest things, a spider showing up, a raccoon, a praying mantis, the wind shifts. It sounds different. Uh, the velocity of the wind, the waves, how they move, cars, even someone cutting us off can be a sign. A stranger walking out of the gas station as you walk in, there could be something about his or her facial expression that answers a question that you had earlier that morning in your quiet time. Everything is a sign. Everything is a symbol. Last night, went to a specific spot here in Kapilani Park. An owl appeared as it killed something and flew away. Feathers flew off from the kill. And so I kept them. Now, do I know the answer to what those are at this moment? No, but it will come. So being patient and working with these signs are very important. Yeah. Extremely important. So ho ailona. You hear around here all the other natives, you know, oh ho ailona. Oh, you know, and, and we're, we're just all, yep. <laughs> that cloud looks like a pig. It's gonna be hot later, you know. <laughs> Just saying, it means everything means something usually if we're awake and aware. They're always trying to communicate with. It's whether we want to hear them or not. Do you pick up the phone or do you let them keep knocking and do you let the phone keep ringing? Where are we? Who are we? Where, where do we want to be? How connected do we want to be? And I have a lot of personal internalized religious trauma from growing up in a society that tells me that messages are evil or scary or from something. I've always had a very like both interest in certain aspects of Christianity, but also a very clear, like there comes a point when I go, nope. And something I'm like, protect, protect, protect. And there is also a lot of my experiences in the dream state or in the way things talk to me, some of which I've been like, oh no, I can trust this, or it's just kind of there, you know, <laughs> and others that I've been terrified of. And I realized for me, I think a lot of that terror is tuning into a field of religious trauma, of essence or entity style clouds of energy, right? <laughs> Collective consciousness, whatever you want to call it. But there is this way that energy fields move. And I think Christianity marks a lot of things as evil. And I don't choose that framing yet along my way of finding how I work with the aspects of what I understand has been called and labeled evil has been a very interesting and often terrifying experience for me as I've sort of modulated my way into deeper connection. I found that there is a lot of relationship to heart, uh, hurt and harm that has been done that is still being silenced in this day that I feel like energies, not the universe speaking to me with signs, which is a different kind of thing, but there are these like blockage, like it feels like someone is energetically expressing coup towards me and it can come from anyone. And I feel it all of a sudden just take over my experience. And I have been in my own relationship, just energetically, not even beyond that, really being with how do I want to deal with this on the energetic plane? Even if I'm just here still in my body, how much am I visualizing taking the chains off of my neck? How much am I visualizing standing straight in my spine and softening through the front of my heart and opening widening, even as I grow more expansive while I'm experiencing something very harmful that likely and very often people don't even realize they're perpetuating and they think they're on a different side than they are. That's really hard. And 
the deeper I get into this work, the more frequent it happens. And I am deeping into the clarity of wanting like my life's work to speak to that, as opposed to having to deal with all of the microaggressions along the way. And, um, and just sort of being able to stand in a stability and choose to keep walking that path and choose to creating the protection and choose to keep attuning and reattuning to what it is that I find valuable and valued in my experience, which is often what has been traumatized by Western civilization and colonial um, Christian impact. I mean, just on the face of it, Marissa, I mean, who wants to really be part of a religion that says the woman is the helper, God is the great anesthesiologist, and put man to sleep and created woman to be this subordinate creature. And God has human-like attribute, Father God, up in a cloud somewhere floating that, you know, it's all performance-based. That's exactly the type of mentality I'm moved away from. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will not have anyone tell me in a relationship that's performance-based. You either enjoy my evolution and be part of that if I choose to so expose you to it, or you are not part of my life. It's that create, we are the creator. We're incarnate here walking the earth. There is none without us. We cannot separate. And that's if you believe that there is something larger than us, a mastermind, intelligent, allness, divinity. I have students that are devout um, atheists. They don't believe that. They do believe in causal, cause and effect. So I don't know. I'm very traumatized. Um, My biological mother, uh, you know, Scandinavian, the Viking descent, um, really took it overboard as far as that is your worst, as well as, you know, without women in that era of not being able to hold a credit card without their husband's name on it. Thank you to those women who went through that, who sacrificed their ability to see their value so that we can see our value and live in it now. I couldn't, I cannot imagine what our mothers went through. And I, I, the trauma and the mental illness that came with suppressing oneself, Mm -hmm. even in my own mother, and us, you know, woo, boo, oh, pours us, you know, poor us, us five kids having to deal with that. But she was dealing with that. Mm-hmm. We were, it's just the symptoms we had to deal with. She had those demons, that energy signature, that entities within her constantly whispering, constantly steering, constantly influencing. And we just got to see the symptoms of that. We didn't actually live in it. So I have great compassion for her now. It wasn't always that way. I give thanks to those women in that era where we wouldn't be here right now without them. And so when we run in, when I run into them today, they're still very much around. I have great compassion and I try not to judge, but I just pray they would see themselves as whole, moving towards wholeness. Very, very difficult. Mm. Would you, uh, I feel like this is a fullness and I want to dance into a how, how we might be able to to complete our conversation, even though I could do this forever. (laughs) I I am curious of uh, two things. One, I would love to hear a little bit about what you spoke of, about the, as women, we've been, you know, we've been taught we can come forward in like one of three ways. They all started with bees, I believe. Do you recall what that conversation point was yesterday? I'm trying to get away from the lady with the blower. She's driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Give me a moment. Oh my goodness, lady. I'm ready to do a Lua move on her. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
going with the flow of it all and just like oi, oi. Ride with you. reckless reckless i think that's what i'm going to be for halloween just dress up as the blower lady the blower <laughs> i love the concept of reckless <laughs> yes um, there go. hopefully this is a little bit better now you were saying um three b's yeah what was the context Maybe it was beauty, brawn, and brains. Oh, yes, yes. So, you know, America here, Western world, they tell us that, and I don't know if men experience this too, but that us women can only be brains of beauty or brawn. They have a real hard time with seeing us as multi-hyphenates. Yet we are because we govern so much, you know, and we love the masculine for their focal, their laser focus, right? But we're kind of like out here governing all these things, prioritizing. We can be all three. And it's just hard. I think it's, it's our wisdom in knowing where we can truly show that yeah. uh, in society. We can't just come through like a raging bull and coo. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. we can, but that'll have its specific. No, no there's, some, there's some definite uh, consequences for that, right? We want to make sure that we're being wise to our environment, reading the tide. Can they handle all of me? And we do this all the time with our circles of friends and family. They fluctuate. Sometimes they're in the inner circle. We share anything. Then the outer circle and people move. They move throughout your advancement and their behaviors. <laughs> and we, we assign them properly of who we, who we can trust and when and why. Um, it is governing well over all of that and reading where we can be all three. And that's usually not very often, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We're still in that space of transition. Like at work, I'm just the nerdy legal girl. You know, when I'm teaching, I am straight kumu. I'm not legal at all. I, so there's no brains there. It's The brains would be the, the actual science behind the movements. You know, the lack of genitalia and its physics, its placement, its, its breath, its timing, its stability, its power. It's the whole kinetic chain moving together gracefully. That's probably the brains of that. And beauty doesn't come into it. Beauty is the last thing I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, but it's nice. We all want to feel pretty. So once in a while we go to an event, you know, wear something, a piece we love that makes us happy. You know, it's being able to interchange so beautifully. This is the dance that we do as women and allowing ourselves to be more than just what we're told that we can be embracing it all. This also means the dark side too, right? I mean, when, when she comes, I mean, well, there's this one meme, like, I'm not scared of anyone. I'm not scared of anyone. I'm scared of of her, meaning, my, you know, that she scares something like she scares me. That's the only one I'm scared of. We all feel her. Yeah. We feel her. And we feel like if we let her out a little bit too much, if we have a talk with her, if we have this communion that we may not be able to control her. Right. But I found in my metaphysical studies since 2003 and um, really deconstructing that horrible programming that I was raised with so that it would keep me safe that I no longer need that not taking a look at her, not communing with her, keeping her locked in that chest, throwing the chest away, throwing the key away. It's taken years to find the key, mm-hmm. then to find the chest, then to hold the key in front of the chest. And to insert it and still not turn it and then turn it and not open it. And you can see the progression, right? And not doing those things was going to eventually kill me. It wasn't the actual act of finding her and talking with her and working things out that was going to kill me. It was opposite. I needed to do it to be here right now. These things are hard. Yeah. I was going to say, and that's such the opposite message that we get from Pandora. Avoidance. 
right? Ignore, but, yes. Yeah, you know, because you have the, <laughs> these myths that the lineage gives us messaging of what is supposed to happen. And that if you open the box to the, you know, and then <laughs> you can never close it again. And true. I mean, and to, to some degree, like that is true, but and it does unleash awareness of a lot of horrors. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to deny that that no. really isn't part of the process, but not opening it is a form of death for so many of us. Yes, yes, yes. We forfeit our ability to move powerfully through the world as we probably intended to before we came here in physical form. Yeah, yeah. And the I feel called right now to talk about the Keiki Pond and Oh, yes, please. The actual experience of that. Hmm. I'm curious. Well, you tell me, yes, why that speaks so powerfully to you. That speaks powerfully to me because, well, the Keiki Pond is this area that is protected by rocks from the surf. So it is a piece in connection with the union of the sea. And yet it is shallower and it is warmer and it is protected from the beating of the waves and the potential riptides that could carry you out to sea and all of that so that the kiddos, <laughs> the keiki can go into the ocean and have a safe experience, a nourishing experience to be held by containment, to have a way to play and experience the elements of the sea without the dangers of the vastness of the ocean. And I feel like ultimately, as I continue to move into what self-care for performers wants to be and become and already is and has an eventuality of, I feel like what I'm creating is a cakey pond. Absolutely. <laughs> it's remarkable. And it's free of sharks, right? <laughs> it's yeah. free of like seals. So we yesterday I went on a canoe, um, single hole canoe, and uh, there's probably about five of us paddling, six about six of us paddling, and we went canoe surfing. So I've been canoe, obviously been rowing, but I've never actually rowed a wave in a canoe before. But as soon as we turned around, we we're going to catch the second one, this seal pops up and had this fish in its mouth and he's just chomping away. So the Kiki Pond, <laughs> well, that's cute to see, terrifying. It, you know, it protects against these predators and these lesser evolved individuals in our lives that appear for whether we're the lesson for them or their continued lesson for us. The time in the Kiki pool, that nurturing, yeah. that protectiveness uh, is so important. Yeah. Because we're going to have to go into the ocean sooner or later. We are, we are. Yeah. And that, that to me, like the, just the title of self-care for performers, like it feels like a contradictory experience, you know, like it's like a, it's like a polarity at play. It is, yeah. it is, because it's torturous art, right? There's all these guidelines and they're so subjective at some points. Like, how do you fulfill all of them? It's like childhood. All these things you're supposed to know, <laughs> you, yeah. get, you, get, you get punished for, and you're like, what was I supposed to do? How do I make sure I don't get punished again? And then you don't get, you learn as you go, right? It's yeah. the same thing. It's torturous though, and it's abusive. It so it's, yeah, I don't know. I would like to spend the rest of my days um, enjoying joy, being in joy, you know, these activities, whether they're obligations and we stay for a purpose for a period of time to fulfill a purpose, or it's actually just learning to relax and be silly and laugh more and 
that's part of it too. Like I should put that on the pie chart. Laughter, right? <laughs> I am terrified of and supplements <laughs> and laughter. <laughs> that sort of like full body experience of like yes. joy that's deep in your bones. I've been working through. I've been working with a coach uh, recently uh, that deals with feminine embodiment and polarity and play mm. for like tantric. Alchemy. Yes. And it's this luscious group of women that I'm working with. And the coach is so just divinely inspired. It feels like there is this space available to me that's not been available before. And so here comes the grief and here comes the retraction and here and, comes anger. and anger and resentment and terror and all of those things. But what's so beautiful in this container, which is and I entered this container with an awareness that there's something about her and the and her work. She goes under portal to grace for anyone who wants to look her up. She she has a way of merging a history with marketing and branding, very masculine awareness of how to communicate with feminine practice. And how she's interweaving the two of those things is this really sensuous, luscious, desirous thing that my body receives as something I want to learn more from her embodiment. I want to breathe into my uh, experience of permission to be able to bring the sacred sexuality of the union of my masculine and feminine and that longing and that satiation and that experience of cultivating self-trust and invitation to the clients, the students, the community that I work with to garner that same experience in them. And then there's just this, this sort of inevitable ecstatic joy that I think is emergent from that. Fulfilling. Yeah, it's very fulfilling. It's yes. very fulfilling. Absolutely. Yeah. How wonderful. What a blessing she is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the timeliness of it and the the conversations that I've brought forward have been received and we've worked through already. I mean, it's all about working through relationship and then reconnecting to your own body along the yes. way, not letting yes. all of your truth and your clarity and your experiential breath and wonder that is part of the ever evolving beauty of life and living that you brought up earlier about how there's it's it's all changing it's all transitional it's all it's all about the process it's not about all that other stuff that society tells us it is it's all right we forgot that we have rights as humans oh yes we have that right to allow ourselves to experience what we want to experience birth what we want to birth and in the way that we want to do it and no one else has any right to tell us otherwise so, you know, it's a martial arts technique. It really is. Someone's going to throw a punch at your face, your throat. They're going to try to bite your throat. You know, whatever they're going to try to do, are you going to stand there and take it? Are you going to stand, you're going to, you're going to parry out of the way? Are you going to parry and then counter? Are you going to parry, counter, take down? What are you going to do? And it's part of the preparedness. And that comes in knowing who we are and that we deserve better. And not that we're coming in blazing the bra and band men and all this. It's, they need to listen though. The world is shifting. We see it all over the world. It's truly amazing to see the divine feminine come up and compliment the divine masculine, the divine masculine work with and advocate for the divine feminine. And with all of that, the toxic femininity, toxic masculinity, the patriarchal ways, they're dying hard and we see it, the fights. And still there's so many situations just in the news where it points to a painful long death for patriarchy in patriarchal ways. But if you're dying, you're 
they're dying because there are courageous masculine men that are joining the cause. They see that the balance is necessary. Yeah. And I love some of the work that I've been bringing into the fold too, has included men, non-binary experiences of what it means to be in a body, being authentic to the experience of the body, right? And if we're really attuning to the needs of our body, it doesn't matter what body you're in whether you are trans or bi or, or asexual, or you're very, very connected and rooted in your masculine or very connected and rooted to your feminine, that we're not a binary. There's nothing binary about anything, even when we feel fully entrenched in the fullness of, of femininity or of masculinity. Yes, it's right. not a binary. We're both. We are both. We are all both. We've always been both. Yes. Yes. And the fullness and radiance of that to really stand in the truth of that. And then to have the elegance to be able to dance with, well, which one wants to come forward now? And right. Oh. Later in which, how is Who it? appears? It's amazing. Another person. And then the yes. merge between that polarity and how luscious that can be. Like that's creative energy for me. That's yes. life. Performing arts. That's life. Life giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, thank you. <laughs> She just went by, blower lady went by. (laughs) She's tracking you. She's following you. (laughs) You know, back to what you just said, Mahu, right? Mahu here. And, um, you know, people will use it as gay, uh, same sex. But it really, you know what their role was in ancient times? They were the love counselors because they could see both sides. They were the ones that dealt with lovemaking and connection, which, of course, physical, spiritual, it wasn't about identification. You could just be. You could just you be. Yeah. And the mahu were very important, integral as far as uh, coaching others yeah. and embracing and connecting. They were our love love advisors. Yes. See, so and I we have the duality. That, yeah, I feel the truth of that both in the community that I hold dear to my heart that identifies in that way as just mm. in their body how much love is present. And I feel like to be able to connect to love in the amount of adversity that that brings forward, what, uh, strengthens, honestly, if you can make it, if you see the benefit in that, it just reaffirms every time we have adversity, whether it's about who we are or what we're doing, it makes us stronger. It really does in our stance and our purpose, our intention gets stronger when we We know what we must do. And I think the thing is too, though, also depending on our resources and how violently we're attacked though, right? Because if they say, you know, what doesn't kill and by you, who, honestly, offer, but it also might kill you. And it also make, might make you traumatized, right? And oh, I, sure. Sure. Of course. Never fully healed. I think right. we're always just moving through even when we find our way. Yeah. Um, but I think, but knowing that there are tools available, that there are resources available, that there is community that can be accessed. I think that this is for me, the lesson that I want to bring into this practice for me, the purpose of my wanting to have these conversation is to just call in more connection to yes. the truth of the being that does transcend the polarities and as beautiful and as much as I love polarities when they are like super sexy, you know, like there's house, also- yes. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. That regardless of your body and how you're playing with that in your body or in, in relationship to the world and the world's idea of your yeah. Like I think you're we- like, ooh, what's ooh, this? Yeah, <laughs> nice. I like this. And that could be who are you? energy 
party. It can be a presentation. Uh-huh. It can be a word. It can be like a moment. It can be so many different things. Magical. That's what it is. It is. It really is magical. Oh, I love that. I just want to breathe it. Oh, I got tingles, tingles, tingles. What's it like for you where you are in this moment? Comforting. The messengers are here. The birds are here. They have a lot to say, obviously. <laughs> Guardians present. Mm. So weird to see the ancient with the new. Mm. You know? Yeah. Getting back here, people forgetting who they are. Yeah. They have forgotten who they are, who they were, yet it's in their DNA. Choice. Choice is so powerful. Yes. But usually that calls us to coup action. Uh-huh. And people don't want to coup. <laughs> they want to stay comfortable where they are. Yeah. And that is their choice. Yeah. So while you and I both do our work in our respective corners of the world, we also have to know that we can't be disheartened when others choose to continue in their ways. And I think that also is a message for all of your listeners and all of the loved ones we have in our lives. It's disappointing. And, but again, part of the human condition, not everyone is going to get here. Not everyone is going to make it up the path. They're only going to make it partially up the path. And that's okay. Just um, do our work, be fulfilled, and let divinity do its work in others. And I think we'll be able to have that joy and not feel like we're not making a difference because we are. We just don't see the outcome sometimes. When I travel to different parts of the world to teach, I I would love feedback, but I don't always get it. 99% of the time, I don't get it. I have to trust that I've done my job. I've been prepared. I was asked to go. That's the opportunity. Sources saying, I need you to go here. Okay, what do you want me to teach? What do you want me to show? Be in tune the entire time while I'm there on the floor, whether that's for an hour or for 16 hours, you know, seven and a half each day, eight and a half each day, making myself available to talk. I have to let go of all potential outcome. It's not for me to know. My job is to show up, do my job, been prepared the way I'm being used, and then source takes it from there. And so if we can approach our work that way and know that you're being used powerfully. I think we're doing a good job. <laughs> Beautiful sentiment to close on. Oh. Goes by quickly. Yeah. We need to become the snake. The divine feminine was always represented by a snake, a serpent, which is ironically what the Christians used as Satan. Yes. You know, think about the snake and the beautiful depiction of how it moves physically. It has vertebrae that are floating. It's not completely connected. And how it strikes is it coils, feminine, extends, masculine, and goes into that S. It winds and then it strikes. Feminine, masculine, hina, ku. Also, it cannot move on the ground without obstacles. If it was an absolutely clean surface floor, it will just wither. It will just completely turn. It has nothing to propel itself against. It absolutely needs rocks, pebbles, dirt, boulders in the way for it to move forward. That is a parable for our life. The boulder is not in the way. The boulder is part of our path. And as soon as we accept that, as soon as we look forward to these boulders, we are going to be unstoppable and spiritually bulletproof. We can have our moments behind the scenes. It helps us connect with ourselves. Publicly, we'll continue to exemplify the powerful divine feminine, divine masculine working together. This is what the world needs to see. While keeping our relatability and professionalism, not everyone should have access to you either. So we have to shift as we're being used as well. 
there are forms of interference that come heavy from the dark side and we need to be very conscious of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I very much feel the degree of presence around my relationship to the concept of the darkness that I integrate in myself when I'm relating to the dark side, the darkness of the world, that there is an opportunity to treat it like I treat the darkness in myself that there is an opportunity to hold space around and say, what's going on under this? What is the unmet need? What is the terror that's being experienced? And where is that coming from? And what is the satiating peak? Energy, yes. But the energy wants to be used. Mm -hmm. It wants to be used. It's fascinating. It's like a reserve. It's saying, use me. I mean, look at, I know movies, but Dr. Strange, the ancient one, amazing. She connected directly to the dark side. It was the most powerful being in the world because of it in the multiverse so us using that dark side within us the pain the trauma what floats through our blood which pumps through it genetically i have it i use that i transmute it and i want to become the most proficient and accurate fighter and warrior on every level metaphysically hula uh in my massage my lua lomi the warrior massage uh, in my lua in my when wielding the weaponry and wielding my hands and using the different animals that we use um, and exemplify this is this is my goal is to use all of that that has been stored up for me she's not going away and she's there when i need her if i if and when i ever need to defend myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. use what we have Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we have it, that we have that sort of like self-trust, that self-capacity, that, 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 that sort of inner, I want to say like bestiality and beauty at the same time, there's this beautiful like, beast, beautiful beast, this beautiful beast that it is, is amazing inside of my solar plexus that has been a source of my like in my, my Marissa's physical body, like this has been where it's lived in me. There's been this like dark gripped fist that has lived in my solar plexus, pulling my stomach into knots for much of my life. Yes. And there's been so much anger and repressed rage that just wants to be utilized. And that beautiful bestiality wants to come forward and just be like spread throughout the world. And I know you've spoken before too in our conversation yesterday about just because we're connecting to darkness doesn't mean we're doing harm. Absolutely not. Yeah. And that, that in your stomach and digestive, I mean, metaphysically, that means that there's something in your life that you cannot digest. You cannot stomach. So taking a look at yourself, you know, all of us in in our introspective time, moving through it, if it's a meditation, moving or quiet stillness and getting down to the root of what, what have we allowed? ultimately choosing to allow to continue to nurture in our life, um, our lives that needs to be removed. It's a tumor now. We no longer need that. So allowing ourselves, all of our systems, you know, parasympathetic, sympathetic, um, uh, just all of our systems and structures to work well with one another, to pray for, breathe, breathe life into and, and, nurture ourselves through what we eat and how we speak to ourselves to heal any cellular damage in our bodies. Um, so this is all very important. Yeah. We exist on so many different realms and layers. It's, we try to get at least one of them right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's, that's how simple it needs to be, right? No one can be perfect. Like, is there such a thing? I'm beautifully imperfect, but oh gosh, I'd like to do one thing right, right? Oh, goodness. Uh, and then there's the humility and the humility. Yes. And yes. all of that, that comes forward and pours forward, you know, and like all of the layers that we talk about and all of the, the beautiful ways that you and I are connecting, like we've gotten here by fire. Like there's been oh, 100. Yeah. Yeah. Battlefield tested. <laughs> <laughs> Battlefield of life. Right? Uh, I know. Right. Knowing that the listeners are just anyone you want them to be. Who would you want to talk to, speak to, whether it's a past version of yourself or someone that's really directly in your experience now that you may or may not want to name or a collective experience? And what would you want to say? Oh, my gosh. You know, I think, Marissa, it's been a one woman band for so long. If anyone has trust issues, it would be me. And I own that. Yeah, I think when you're raised with parents that were supposed to love, affirm, guide, and protect and support you, and they're the very ones that did not do that and did opposite, you have a really hard time trusting anyone. (laughs) Because if they couldn't do that, then why in the heck would this individual want, you know, you don't listen to anyone is definitely trial and error. You learn through experience and a lot of things that you can regret at that point uh, as you move forward on the path. So you learn to become quite an expert on discerning and learning the truth versus untruth for myself, not necessarily the world. At least if I'm, say you and I, you know, whether it's business or personal, we're having a discussion. The more I know about you, the better we can dance, right? How you move. But when we don't know that, I'm extremely untrusting. And uh, I, I have to kind of figure out what what the other person's intention is, what what do they want from me? That is the classic thing that I've always said. Okay, what does he or she want from me? And once I can determine that, then I can move accordingly. If I must work with them, if I choose not to, I'm not sure who I would speak to. I think it would actually be more time with myself. Yeah. I would go away, maybe the desert mm. with a mineral pool and write, read, pray, cry, hula. Mm. beat the crap out of a bob I don't know I would (laughs) I think it would be more time with myself because I know that truly I have all the answers to known and unknown situations events and I'm being prepared for what's coming next so I don't know if it would be an actual another person that's in physical form or already has transitioned I I think it'd be mostly isn't that amazing time with myself (sighs) oh gosh I want to yeah, yeah, yeah. How beautiful. See, without you right now, I wouldn't know this. So thank you so much for the work that you are doing. Yeah. I feel so deeply the importance of seeing ourselves in one another so that we can see ourselves. So now here it goes. Here comes the Western mind. So how do I get there? What do I need to do? Where am I going to plan? How much is that going to cost? Can I take off of work? Who's going to feed the dog? <laughs> Who's going to take over my classes? invitation <laughs> to instead of it being the riptide of the Western world, yeah, right. it being the, the, the strength of the warrior coup, ready to come and take action. Amazing. Right? Yep. And all of that is the feminine, the preparation to get there, right? To do the work. So very beautiful uh, way to look at it. Absolutely. I think that when we can notice when our Western paradigms are coming in to take over, it's actually, we, there is a way that we can insert ancient and personal deep wisdom into yes. Western paradigms. Absolutely. And not necessarily do anything different, but relate to the experience so differently. And then our entire life and experience and well-being just kind of shifts and pivots. Yes. Yes. Energy and intention and oh. choices 
frankly, we have more choices. It's really fascinating. And they're meaningful choices. It's not just check that box. They are, they mean something, they change us. Mm. And you know, there's that one uh, belief that when we make a decision and we make a choice, we change timelines. So I believe that. I feel one changing right now. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I feel it as it happens. The shift, yes. I feel the shift and I have to sit with it, reorient myself, like allow myself to ground, get rooted, be with, come back into space. So I don't dissociate out of it and it doesn't become a traumatizing experience or something. Right, exactly. Right, Something that I've been told that I should be afraid of. I can instead surrender to the experience of the, that transliminal space of uncertainty, of chaos, of the beauty of that feminine experience of the most yes. that can exist without it being a threat. Yeah. And survival too. Like you're going to survive. You're fine. You have food, you have, you have housing, you have, you have love, you know, you have the essentials. It's the, taking a look at something. Why do we feel like we're in grave danger and a, and a wilderbeast and a honey badger is going to come out and, and, you know, shred us. It's like, it's non-existent, this stress. You can't bottle it and quantify it much like the divine feminine, right? Well, that's why there's rules. Uh, that's why they got rid of the divine feminine. So they could have land titles, right? And the men can then hold it. But yeah, I mean, we're, the saber-toothed tiger is not going to jump out of the bush at me. I mean, why am I still having that emotional physiological response, right? It's just deal with it. Just look at it. You know, a card game has no value until you, the cards have no value until you call out what game you're playing, you know? So we assign what is valuable and what is not. Okay. Giving over power, never a good thing. And I think what you said earlier, beautifully, you know, Western ways get intercepted by those indigenous ways. So we can really see what's going on beautiful yeah very true interrupt and I think that's a great metaphor for when we're faced with racism or misogyny or any sort of uh phobia that others are going to direct towards our experience of being at home in our own body Mm -hmm. we can intercept redirect and attune to what it is that our intentionality is as opposed to being swept up into the polarity of um when the polarization is coming from a binary an unhealthy toxic binary and not that sacred sexual dance of polarity when it's coming right. from another space we have the ability to interrupt intercept yeah, and being wise and knowing that uh, our growth is going to cause others to feel very uncomfortable mm-hmm. so know that the resistance will come yeah and sometimes i mean i we all have our different you were talking about earlier what are you going to do are you going to block any stuff aside are you going to block and you're going to you know redirect or you're going to strike as well at the end knowing where you are. I know in Aikido, they talk about, you can go redirection uh, a redirection and you can either go around or you um, choose death and you go straight in, right? True. So back and forth and not being sure which one you're doing. That's where we get into a big mess. And that's when happy feet. I call that happy feet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie too. Happy feet. <laughs> There's a time and a place for happy feet. And, and it's, uh, I find knowing the difference between whether you're safe to dance or whether your dance is your coping strategy or whether there is a more direct action that you can take that can be aware, whether you're communicating it or not, but in your action, in your awareness, in your body, mm-hmm. that you know that you are embodying clarity of your choice, your agency. And sometimes it is spoken and sometimes it is manifested in your work. And sometimes it is about the choices you make and the people you keep in your circles. And sometimes it is just standing clear in your experience while a mm-hmm. lot is going on around you. And oh my gosh. Yes. Swept over by it. And that's the thing. We're in a perfect environment and chaos. 
Mm. We're in chaos and that's where we learn the most. This is where we are changed, we're refined and then more mana energy comes through into the body like a wire, like a like an like an electrical wire. We learn more doing, kinetically dealing with these challenges and these challenging people and even our challenging selves, right? When we resist what we know what we must do. Oh, yeah. Then all of this is most opportune place for transformation and evolution versus secluding ourselves. I just talked about the desert, right? But it, there's a time for a monastic period. Absolutely. But in everyday life, adversity is what refines us. Yeah. This is where we grow the most. So going off to someplace in the mountains, the desert, anywhere you choose for a prolonged period of time is not realistic. This is not where we grow. It, this is good for introspection, but we must re-enter the world again so that we can be used. Mm -hmm. So knowing what phase we're in and welcoming that and not expecting the same black and white checky list. Like, you know, today, this, this is, there's some constants, right? Of caring for ourselves, connecting with those we love, our responsibilities that we've given our word to. But for the most part, we just need to like loosen, you, you know, you, you talked about the chains, like loosen the collar a bit. In fact, maybe take it off eventually yeah. and allow ourselves to move freely. Yeah. Break those chains, take them off. And really when we master ourselves, we master our craft, these gifts and talents that we were, we have been given. This is the way we're, it's really obvious. If you've been given certain gifts, that's the way you're supposed to impact the world. Don't fight it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I feel, I don't know what I feel like really called right now to talk about the concept of the chains or the collar around your neck. Do it there's a degree of, of it being suffocation. And then there's also a degree of like, you can break through it. You can choose to go around. You can pretend like it's not there and like numb yourself out, or you can turn it into a kink and let it turn you on and figure out how you, <laughs> how you dynamic. I love it. I love it. Perception. Perception. Yeah. And the no, I like, and I can't tell anybody what's right for them. And and moment to moment, what's right for my body is going to change as well. Absolutely. And knowing that is a good thing. It's a wise thing. We're never going to be constant. We are like the weather. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to shift yeah. as needed. Yes. But, you know, change. We're told to have the White House and the white picket fence and the job and the spouse and the dog. And, you know, you're supposed to have these things or you're not happy. Our world is so far from that now. Those don't, I don't know, tethering. <laughs> Tethering. And so for some people that is experienced as a prison. Yes, correct. It is. Yeah. Not everyone. Some people love it. Some people are like, true, true. Stability. Forever. And like, but the yeah. diversity, the willingness for it to be not one thing isn't going to fit for everybody. And the permission to ourselves to be like, does this fit for Jeez. me? This, yes. this phase, this current embodiment of who I am. And maybe that'll change a year from now. And I'll find myself longing for the thing that I never wanted to have anything to do with before. And like, that can also be okay. <sighs> well, I think yeah, absolutely. But you know, then we get into the whole, there's oh, they're getting divorced, you know, and then there's a lot of shame and you changed direction. Um, it's hard to say forever. It's hard to say, uh, you know, my favorite saying is for now, you know, such and such and such for now. Yeah. We'll see. I feel like though too, like there is a degree of inner trust I have with the core of who I am mm -hmm. that I know that there is a certain element to the work that I'm doing that if I leave it, I will be out of integrity with the core of who I am. And I have a sense of inner receptivity to the possibility that there is a kind of relational dynamic with my community, with my family, with potential lovership that yes. will feel deeply connected to the source of who I am to a point where it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to not choose it. 
Well, you really don't have a choice anymore. Choice becomes an illusion because you already know what you need to do. And that's where it transcends to. It's just fighting with yourself. (laughs) I don't want to do it right now. You know, I know that dance. Pretty funny. (laughs) Later, later, later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Self-mastery though is where it's at. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I, you know, there's the concept of mastery. And I think depending on who we are and how we relate to that word, like that can be like a really great word for us. And just like the word God, that can be a really like different things to different people. Like feel like master over something and be in a very unhealthy, toxic space. Right. And so I, for my own sense of what feels consistently relational in my heart. I'm choosing, like, I don't want to master myself. I want a self-lovership. I want a lovership. Yes. I just want lovership. Cooperative dance. Yeah. Liliana, evolve. Think of waves. You know how, how the wave transpires. You could do, I'll just show you this. You could do tide. So hands over, right? Yeah. Just over like this. So that would be outward. You do this. You push outward. You can make it really small. Make it really big right? So how you feel then inward, right? Bringing things into you to tie in, making it big, grind it up, up, almost like drinking, right? Really beautiful. And then the waves, right? Having to shift. Well, there's the, the embodiment of energy patterns. Yes. So erratic. <laughs> I love erratic. I love fast twitch. I love slow twitch. I love consistent flow, you know, yeah. like your, like your father, beautiful father flow. There's these points of mana in which we exert in that flow mm-hmm. very pretty yeah and powerful yeah i feel like there's a degree with my father my beautiful father he is a beautiful father and also there's a lot of addictive narratives that i keep i think come of course growing up as as a as a white man in america understood you know, yes. and, and a lot of the 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 societal expectations of him to be the <laughs> jesus john wayne figurehead absolutely oh my gosh how funny jesus john <laughs> I'm going to start saying that. Jesus, John Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) There's a book about it, about like, it's called Jesus and John Wayne. And I have it on, like, I've been, it, it, there is some shadow integration in there for me to face the part of American culture that has been really weaponized. Oh yeah. And and weaponized against, I believe their own bodies as well. Um, because of course, and their lack of ability to express and feel right. They feel something, something actually breaks through and they have no idea how to express it. And I think us as daughters, uh, we're, we're the ones that have suffered the most. Um, but nowadays I see some men, oh, I, I shouldn't have interrupted you. I see some men though, that are really in tune and they learned how to express it's changing. I think it's wonderful. It is. It is. And, and what's interesting, like my father has always been pretty darn expressive for a man. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) (laughs) I used to call him mom, dad, right. When my mom was not in the picture. (laughs) So I have this beautiful, he has a very simultaneously integrated masculine feminine experience of himself. While also, I think these outside societal norms and patternings of understanding of where he's views himself as still wanting to go that I think are a part of a Western narrative that yes for, instead of a, arriving yeah so yes. just being yeah arriving or being where you are and choosing yeah. to steward the space that you're in and just being like here I am this is it there's this other experience that I think kind of can come in and I'm not I don't want to say that that's not there's not a place for that like when I watched Moana and it was she's like we are voyagers we're going I was like 
crying. Like, the ocean is calling me. Like I yeah. feel it. Like, I, <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's when her grandmother died and uh, you see her blue come down the mountainside and crash into the water and come under her wa'a, her canoe and, and guide her. Like I dislike Disney very much. I love the aspects of creation, the artistic, but my gosh, just the whole enterprise itself and how you sign away your rights if you work with that all of that you know but that you know some sometimes they nail a scene and that was one of them where I can feel we're strongly led by the unseen yeah. period end of discussion if we are shielded and in tune and intention we are guided nicely we are influenced we are guided to go this way and that way accept this don't accept this experience this don't experience it become this don't become that but if we're not and we're not in this Luliana this evolution of ourselves and aware of ourselves then we are influenced but it's to hate others it's to cause dissension and division uh, it's to say that you're never good enough you're not good enough what are you going to do it's to deflate what we're here to do so watching those messages but that was a beautiful depiction of how we're led by the unseen yeah it's hers just happens to be your grandmother oh yes (laughs) (laughs) is there any last anything that you would like to say before we end this beautiful conversation no it goes without saying that you are you are being used powerfully and I I pray for your protection and the guidance that you're receiving, that you're in a place where you can receive all messages, liked or unliked, and that anything that is sent to you, known or unknown, be returned to sender with some aloha as the bow. I'm here if you need anything at all, and may we walk powerfully individually and together. Uh, Just receiving that. Please. Feeling that it's like uh, I received the beginning and then I'm feeling like an infusion of strength, command, clarity, presence, integration of purpose and willingness to show up in the way I've been asked. That's right. Show up, show up, step in, (laughs) jump in, and they will continue to move you forward. It's a trust thing. I know this and I negotiate all the time. You want me to do that? Well, then you're going to do this. (laughs) Who sent her down there? Who did? Who sent her down there? Did she agree to all of this before she was the problem? Oh my God, I know, I know, I know, right? I've been in this five-year-long argument with the ethers and I'm like, but I want, but I want, and it's like, okay, but then you have to learn this. I'm like, but I don't want to learn that. I want to learn something else. Can't we just skip that and go to that? It's this beautiful like dance and faith and trust, right? We all believe something. What do we believe? And it's just, okay, fine, I'll do that. But then this, you know, and then you just kind of keep walking and the solar lights kind of start lighting up on the side, right? I mean, oh yeah. But you know, they have us in this place for a reason. If we weren't strong-willed, opinionated and held our ground, we wouldn't be here doing this work. So they got to know, it's like when my daughter, you know, I raised her to have a mouth, you know, stick up for herself, rightfully so, but yet be respectful. You know, the whole dance that us women have to do be elegant right yeah but I don't like it really all that much when she uses it on me so I'm not exempt so we you know if we were raised this way our experiences have cultivated us we're metamorphic we're that rock in the earth that has been tried and tested through pressures and we're going to continue and, and, and you know what there's no other life for me I don't know about you everything else is vacant and bankrupt and I don't want that otherwise why am I here 
So embrace it, fully jump in, Marissa. You'll be used powerfully and your ripple effect on your community will be tremendous. Thank you. Thank you. I feel it really deeply and I'm integrating some of the curbing my tongue moment. Oh, knowing- sometimes we let the razor out. <laughs> it depends. Oh There's a degree of like, I really do need to learn both how to, how to experience containment and very choice direct action. The combination of the two. And when. When. And when, because it's, oh my gosh, timing is so important. Thank you for this talk. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm just so delighted by you and like just in love with everything that you embody and all the messages you share on social media about your journey and the way you're standing up to misogyny and the way in which you're embodying such a rich, beautiful experience of being a grandmother to two beautiful boys and experiencing the play with them from that coup energy. For the first oh, time, for oh. the first time, oldest of five, I never got to play. So it's so amazing to have this gift now to be with them. They'll be seven next month. And at my age, I never thought that I would experience this. So that lightheartedness, that joy, the playfulness, I'm finally getting to experience that. So thank you so much. Full body chills. And for our listeners, like whoever you are, wherever you're at, whatever adversities you have experienced or are experiencing in real time right now, I just want you to know that it's never too late to find access to joy. Choice. Yeah. Comfortable with that. We're so comfortable with the opposite. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, listeners. I will see you guys next time. I am so excited to launch the announcement of my online community for self-care for performers, the self-care garden over on Patreon. This is an online space that welcomes the all of you. This space is for artists who might be struggling with performance addiction, over-functioning and perfectionism, unprocessed grief from creative wounds, people-pleasing and codependent patterns, recovery from long-term effects of performance abuse, or insecure attachment styles impacting career development. While the Patreon community is designed for the healing, resilience, and post-traumatic growth of the performing artist, all are welcome. And at the core of it, the human experience is the heart of the matter. If you feel called to alchemize the pressures, expectations, and frustrations so many of us accumulate on our journeys of training and working in the creative arts industry, then I would love to welcome you into this space. Inside, we will gather once monthly for group practice. Over Zoom, all sessions will be recorded and made available to the self-care garden. You'll also receive special video recordings of the podcast interviews that you are listening to right here and now, as long as they're approved, of course, by the guest. And there will be a soon-to-be budding library of self-paced practices and tools for body belonging and relational wellness, as well as pop-up access to extra care and support calls with yours truly, and a shout-out right here on the podcast. And for those of you who are connecting to the meat of this podcast, It would feel so good to receive your support if you would like to make a small monthly donation to help bring to life future episodes. You can become a supporter over at our hosting site, link in show notes. And if you're feeling a desire to deepen into self-care support and creative well-being, I am receiving applications for a committed coaching container over a six-month period one-on-one, which is a deep dive to uncover and discover the depth of who you are. 
and how to bring that with fullness into your creativity, your life, your career, and your love from a place of creative satisfaction, full body belonging, and experience of community care. Until next time, be well. <laughs>